1: Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, the ABC comms team under fire after publishing an email from a journalist. Jessica Rowe reveals a horror story about her time as a newsreader at 10, and Channel 7 makes a shocked decision regarding the Oscars. Welcome to the podcast where people in the industry get their news. This is TV Black Box.
2: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. This is TV Blackbox, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry.
1: Hi there, I'm Rob McKnight. A big warm welcome to you and thank you. For all the positive feedback we've had about this series of TV Black Box, it seems like 2023 is finally our year. It's only taken about 20 <laughs> years for us to get it right. <laughs> TV presenter David Robinson is with us. Hello, Robbo.
2: Oh, uh, happy to be part of the uh, winning formula. <laughs>
1: <laughs> TV Black Box producer Abby <laughs> Mickelson, a big hi ho to you.
3: Oh, ho oh. um, Okay. I-, <laughs> I, oh. I am recording tonight on the land of the Gadigal people, and so I just want to repay my respects to them.
1: Them. Viewers Advocate Steve Mulk is here. G'day Mulky.
4: Yes, good evening, everyone. I'm recording on the Land of the Dark and Jung Mob, and I want to pay my respects to their elders past and present. Uh, and I too am wondering what the hell is going on. Why did it only take eight seasons? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like Seinfeld really. series eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just say it certainly has been a roller coaster ride. Throughout the years of TV black box There's been some highs And there's been some lows
2: we have (laughs) been cancelled It's a big announcement at the end of the show We've been meaning to talk to you I think we came close to cancelling
1: ourselves at one point Hey, (laughs) let's get into it Because ABC's out of control comms department Has made news again After taking (laughs) News Corp and the Daily Mail to task Over their reporting of (laughs) news breakfast host Lisa Miller Last (laughs) Tuesday Lisa wore a dress that had a slit in the middle For some of the show, you could see right up her dress. This led to some vile comments on social media, leading news.com.au and the Daily Mail to both run stories about the trolling. The ABC, well, they took exception to this and issued a statement after receiving an email from a News Corp reporter asking a series of questions about the trolling. And they said the ABC is not going to dignify any vile comments being made about a presenter's clothes by responding to them. If Daily Mail Australia and News.com.au were genuine in their concerns about such behaviour, they wouldn't amplify it by republishing the comments they describe as vile and sickening, accompanied by a screenshot. Giving anonymous social media bullies publicity on a national platform is participating in perpetuating antisocial behaviour and the very serious issue of online abuse of women. Especially on the eve of International Women's Day, we ask for a more responsible approach to reporting on these issues. Lisa, for her part, addressed the issue on the ABC Breakfast program.
0: I'd actually like to take a minute to talk about what went on during the last 48 hours. If you're blessedly oblivious and you've just been getting on with your life, great. I'm not going to dwell on it. The fact that what I wore on Monday attracted obnoxious commentary on Twitter, foul, disgusting personal abuse that I wouldn't and couldn't repeat here, it was upsetting. That it then ended up online on some news sites where the photos and the abuse were republished made me angry Thanks for all your support. You've been awesome. Honestly, some of you have actually been pretty funny Suggesting if we actually all turned up in pajamas, you'd still be fans of the show. I am angry though on this International Women's Day angry on behalf of myself And also on behalf of other women, young women, who see those stories and see someone like me being violently abused day after day for whatever reason bullies can find. I worry it might make you think that no progress has been made and that it's not worth it to be a woman in the public arena. Well, on this International Women's Day, I want to tell you the response over that rubbish yesterday actually gives me a bit of hope. We are making progress. We are going to make more progress. And there are so many awesome women who we can all look up to. So let's celebrate them today. And please make a conscious decision today to be part of the solution. Play a part in making our communities a better, kinder place for everyone.
1: Uh, look, I'm going to say Lisa Miller has my absolute support. The the vile abuse she and people like Lee Sales has received on Twitter has absolutely no place in our society, and I hate the fact Twitter allows this to go on. Twitter allows people to abuse celebrities or anyone else, and trying to get people banned is really difficult. But aside from that, while Lisa has my full support. The problem here for me is the decision the ABC communications director made to publish the email sent to her from a reporter at news.com.au. Of course, I'm talking about former reporter Sally Jackson. Now, although Sally Jackson didn't name the reporter who sent in that email, it was pretty easy to work out. All you literally had to do was look at who wrote the story for news.com.au. Here's my issue, Malk. It is not Mm -hmm. up to the PR department at the ABC to decide what is and what is not newsworthy. Their job is literally to answer inquiries and publicise shows. It is the height of arrogance for the communications director to admonish other outlets on their story selection. Stand by your presenter all you like, but Sally Jackson does not have the right to dictate what is news. She is a communications director and she should stay in her lane, especially when in my view, this was a legitimate news story. Now look, additionally, since I spoke about this on 4BC, that video has gone out there a little bit. It's been on Sky News as well. But I can't tell you how many journalists have messaged me in private about Sally Jackson and the way she runs that comms team. It is an absolute disgrace. And maybe the ABC should consider whether she is a benefit to the organisation or is or is someone who is slowly getting the entire industry offside.
2: Oh, my God. Relax yourself. Why? Your commercial radio station person. I'll tell you I'll tell you a couple of things on this. Uh, look uh, policy departments are there to defend and help people who are on the air. That's what they do. So this idea of you saying that wait wait this idea of you saying that they're only there to field questions and inquiries and publicized shows is rubbish. Uh, they're there to defend and help their presenters sure. uh, on this particular day one of their major presenters was in trouble. Um, now, you yourself, as an EP, have, have gone out against journalists and publications in the past when you've been on Studio 10 to defend your program and to defend your, sure. your stars. You're saying now that she can't do that. No, so, I'm why not. is it good for no, you no. to defend yeah, your stars? See, the problem
1: for you, Robbo, is that anyone who attacked you are one of these ABC lovies who, the moment anyone says anything negative about no. the ABC, you hate the ABC and you get the pitchforks out. No, the difference here is, and it's nuanced. The difference here
2: is nuanced. How are they different to the head of publicities at 10, 7 or 9? She did what she was supposed to do. She defended her star, who was on the receiving end of bloody, awful, disgusting, vile comments.
1: Not arguing with any of that. But she does not have a right to tell other networks or organisations what they can and can't print. This is a legitimate story. An ABC presenter was being trolled and news outlets reported on that. Now... The ABC has made this a bigger story by then admonishing these other news outlets. Sally Jackson is a comms person. She's not a director of news or an EP. She does not get to say what she's is an editorial decision.
3: But you're saying that she's making a decision on what they are and aren't allowed to publish. Yes, yeah, she is. She, and she isn't. She's publishing she can-
1: but the worst thing, Abby, is she published the email from a reporter when that is not how things are done. That was absolutely outrageous. OK,
3: if I, go, if I go back, she didn't tell them what they can. She didn't threaten legal action if they published it. She didn't do this. She just said that they wouldn't be commenting and therefore amplifying those social media comments.
1: If she had left it as
4: we wouldn't be commenting, that's one thing. I, I, I understand your passion. And I I think I understand your point. I don't agree with it, but I think I understand your point. I would offer that every PR person, head of PR, anyone that works in a PR context around um, talent, network, those kinds of things... And go with me on this. Their job is to control the narrative on any story. 100% agree. And to back you up, Mulk I will mm-hmm. say
1: I've had PR people say to me, why are you doing this? This isn't a story. That is their job behind the scenes, not
4: to publicly shame people. I'm not – I'm. I, that's the part I, I think I'm most stuck on given that, if I understand it correctly, um, we're talking about Sally Jackson uh, and mm. – my interactions with Sally have, look, she is abrupt. She has a very difficult job. At least the interactions I've had have been that she's been abrupt. However, I've understood the reasons that she's been abrupt.
1: I can tell you so many journos have come to me this week and said she's out of control.
4: And and look, anecdotal evidence really doesn't help us. I acknowledge that you've had a lot of that conversation. I haven't had that experience with Sally other than I've said when I have contacted her, she's been abrupt, but that's because I've contacted her at times when there's a lot going on. So I, I hear all of that for Sally to be publishing an email without the name of the person who sent it on it. I don't, I'm, I'm struggling to understand how that's it took me
1: 30 seconds to find out who she was talking
4: about. Sure, but anyone can Google at any point and find all sorts of things. And that is it, it's one plus one often equals two in those scenarios I appreciate. She didn't reveal the person who sent the email, which is was one of the things that you've claimed in, in okay, this conversation. Well,
1: even if that's the case, mm-hmm. when I went on Kiss FM Kyle and Jackie O and told the story about how the ABC Publicity Department had screwed me over on an exclusive story mm-hmm. because they then went and revealed it. ABC Publicity oh. were, even though I didn't name the publicist, they mm-hmm. were outraged to the point where they were talking to other networks
4: about it. The sure. hypocrisy here is it beggars belief. They're, but, chat, ABC aren't they lonesome on this, right? We're talking about no, a very right. small pond. 10, 9 and 7 are not putting out correcting the record statements and naming
1: organisations and taking them to task like a school mum.
4: Not as frequently as the ABC need to, and that is in part because the ABC, I'm sure, have to have a copy-paste email that says, in this morning's Australian. <laughs> Finish the rest of the story.
3: Yeah, they are almost more weekly. Than the, the others, which is why have to defend Almost weekly they have to publish
4: something like that because... Daily. Daily. ...almost Daily. weekly... Something like that happens. Somebody mm. from the Australians, particularly their media team, This wasn't about something- facts.
1: This was a swipe at a news organisation daring to write a story. It wasn't about a challenge of facts. There were no statements of claims against the facts being no. made.
2: And also 7-9-10 had done this before no, no, billions no, of times. Again, news Corp has done it billions again, of times. The Daily Mail does it billions of times. You don't have a clear point here. Yes, the ABC did it this time, but they're all guilty. If you, no, look no, at the you just said off- the
1: I do have a clear point. You're just choosing to lump it in with plenty of other examples. This was not a y- statement. Yes, this was not that's a statement. Right. No, they no. all do it. They this was not a it. statement about factual inaccuracies. This was a statement of how dare you, and we're now using your private emails. To shame the outlet and the reporting. Oh,
4: we can step back a little bit from private emails. It was sent from their corporate yeah, email address. That's right. That's right. And frankly, yeah. once you communicate with the ABC, it's no longer private. It becomes part. No, Under under freedom of. Do, event, I'm going to go and publish law every well. piece
1: of correspondence I've ever had with the ABC, and you can see the tone they take the and the way is, they lie Rob, that and you're bullshit.
4: Not, you risk all sorts of legal action around that because the ABC are, are, are kept under FOI laws, which means if someone wants to approach them and say we want a copy of all the correspondence,
1: that's fine. This was not an FOI case. What a what a what a ridiculous thing! But you know what? Nothing I can ever say about the ABC. The difference here is I will support the ABC, and there's lots of things the ABC does right, but. Anytime someone dares criticise it, it's people like you guys that won't have a bar and won't listen to the argument and just write off any, anything anyone says as right wing, you all hate the ABC. Seven, it's nine and ten do the this, same thing. If
3: this story, if we copied and pasted this story and it was seven and it was about Natalie Barr,
4: Correct.
3: I would say the exact, literally Correct. the exact it's same thing. a
1: legitimate story.
3: But how is the comment? Is not a legitimate component of the story. Let's take it just quickly.
4: Take a step back. The legitimate story is that unfortunate framing, unfortunate choice of clothes, whatever it is, something happened. Lisa Miller clothing. The trolling is not a legitimate story. Mm. The, the people commenting. See. No, it's not, Rob, and this is part of the issue that social media has become the story because jerkface in his mum's basement gets to make Thank a you. comment about it. Who gives a shit about jerkface in his mum's basement? These vile trolls
1: have forced her off Twitter. This is a perfect example of why she is no longer on that platform. And And
3: why do you have to publish the comments, though? And you can write about it without amplifying it. Why can't you say that without going, here's all the horrific... I did not make that
1: editorial decision, Abby, so I'm not going to answer that. But what I am going to say is they have the right to. All right, let's move on, because TV personality Jessica Rowe has called out sexism in the industry on her podcast, The Jess Rowe Big Talk Show. In a special International Women's Day edition, she recalled a story from 1996 where she was sidelined for being a woman.
5: Let me take you back quite some years ago when I was a news presenter at Channel 10 in Sydney. Now, I was reading the 5 o'clock news along with a male co-host. This was a job that I ended up doing for 10 years. When I first started this job, yes, I was junior. I didn't have the experience that my co-host had, so I knew I had things to learn. But let's fast-forward the clock. Six years later, it was, and I still was not able to read what we call the main news story. So I said to my boss, Why is it that Ron gets to read the lead news story? And I don't. I knew what the answer would be, but I was still gobsmacked when my boss told me the answer with not a hint of sarcasm in his voice. He said to me, Well, Lovey, that's because Ron's a man. And you're a woman. Can you believe it? This is not that long ago. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I remember
1: just telling me this story when we were working together at Studio 10 because mm-hmm. I had this crazy idea to reunite her and her <laughs> presenter.
2: I remember this. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> and this, and this. just
1: said, oh, dear Rob, best <laughs> intentions in the world. Just so you know, no. yep. <laughs> look, she played it up and and it was fine on air, but it has set with her for some time and I've never spoken about this because it's her story to tell, but that is the bullshit that she had to go through in this industry and and I love the fact she's talking out about it. Now, having said that, Ron Wilson has always seemed like a fine person to me. I've only met him a few times. I, I like him. I don't know if this is about him and him wanting that or whether it was because it was determined by the news. Um, I'm sure there was probably some unhappiness when he didn't get to read the first line because everyone in TV has egos.
3: He didn't speak to her for six weeks afterwards, she said later in the podcast. Hmm. Holy
1: shit. Yeah. We've come a long way, Abby. Uh,
3: Yes and no. So I think... I echo your thoughts. Well done to Jess for sharing this because I think change doesn't happen when people don't share their stories because people mm-hmm. don't realize it's happening. And I think but also listening to it, I was not that surprised and I don't think many women would be very surprised listening to it. And even though it was in the 90s, there is still a long long way to go. I did some research today on it actually and the representation of women in media in Australia is still pitiful. So, men account for 70% of quoted sources and 66% of experts in all news stories. Um, particularly, sports, politics, and finance are skewed towards men. 82% of um, sports authors are men. And the researchers have suggested that there will not be. Equal gender representation in this until twenty thirty four, which I Oof. actually think is an underestimation. Anyway, if you map the trends, I think I would it'll be a 2034 little.
1: I'd say twenty thirty four is actually. Um, that's great if it happens by then. I like you. I'd be surprised.
3: Yeah, I think that's a little optimistic. And even like worldwide, men still occupy three quarters of the top media management positions. And I just think there are still a lot, a lot of issues where. Australia is ranked 51st in the world when it comes to gender equality and that's embarrassing, frankly, and that should be a national shame and that's when considering economic opportunities, health, education and political power. And we still have a 13.3% gender pay gap in this country. So I think anyone who thinks, I think people get caught up in, oh, we've come such a long way and women have the vote now and women are in work and you don't have to stay home with the kids if you don't want to. Women aren't considered property. Yeah, that's delightful. Okay,
2: hold on. Well, that, but that, that, that's not recent, YouTube. And that's a fun little comment to chuck mate, in. Mate, it was there, the 70s,
4: the recent. 1970s before women could own their own land outright. The 1970s.
3: But it's just, but people think we've come a really, really long way. And we have come a long way, but there is still a lot further to go, which I don't think people quite realise. I, I
1: I don't think anyone disagrees with that. To be honest, I, I think there is a long way to go.
2: It's a Taylor's oldest time. So if you remember Seven Nightly News in Sydney with Anne Sanders and Ross Simons, yes. um, they never spoke to each no. other. So six weeks seems like a very Ooh. short time when it comes to um, a double header with a female and a male. They would walk into the studio, very icy studio. Now, anyone's been in, in a TV studio, know the air con's always up. This was Antarctic, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as my understanding. Um, they would not talk to each other. And that's why if you can ever watch old clips of them, when they do the, uh, <laughs> the banter, you could just imagine. Remember that scene from um, Anchorman where it's going over the credits? I saw it the other day. <gasps> yes, Look it up on YouTube. Yes. You'll love it. Where they say, you're, a f- <laughs> you're a All of that kind of thing. But it's it's just one it's just a thing that happened. They were civil to each other, but
1: yes, there were issues. They were
2: civil, of course, but they never spoke really, and that's the thing. And I'm not saying it's you know bad or you know, of course, it's bad. But to get to read that lead story is just one of those massive things. And Abby's right. There's such a long way to go. I, I know we haven't spoken yet about the ABC on the podcast, so let me just quickly put something in there for you. Um, the ABC has a very clear policy of if you're getting talent, whether it be for television or radio, um, you have to find a balance. So, yes, on the books there might be, um, you know, five male um experts in a field. Well, our job is to go and okay, yep, yeah, we can get two of those male experts. No worries. Mm. But we are going to go and find, and the onus is on us to go and find the other two talent that are female and that's who a are also to experts everyone. in that field. Mm. Absolutely. And that is a great thing that is done there. Mm. And that is across the entire organization. So I think that's really important. That goes a long way uh to to helping us get to 20, 20, 2034, which I hate saying that.
1: Can can I just say, as a producer, I have never thought twice about whether I'm getting a male or female expert.
2: I think you'll find you'll find though that it it naturally happens. What with me? So you'll sit there and you go, no, no, with just with anyone. With
3: anyone, it's a it's not always as blatant as I don't like women; they're not coming on my show. No, of course not. Of course It's not. a very subconscious thing. I
1: I can honestly say I've never cared.
2: Yeah, I understand that. And neither have I, but we, there's just this thing where you look up the list of going, okay, so we need experts on podcasts. So we've got Mr. Nichols, Mr. Jeremy, Mr. James. Uh, actually, I'm going to go a little bit further than the list and find, uh, Mr. Uh, Mrs. Nelly or, you know, Miss Jenkins. I mean, also get them as part of it. Mm. That's the whole point. And that, I think, is what's going towards a very clear understanding of bridging that gap.
1: Mm. Okay. Well, there's some scuttlebutt on who will be hosting the Logies this year. A report today in The Australian suggests Sonia Kruger and Chris Brown will be doubling up as the hosts of the event that will happen in Sydney on Sunday, July 30,
4: possibly at the Star. Malk, I actually don't mind this idea. Oh,
2: my God.
4: Well, um, look, let's go with this in two halves. It makes complete sense that given that Chris Brown will have been with Seven for about four weeks, that they should <laughs> thrust him into the centre of the limelight on their big vehicle to show off all of their talent. That Why makes not? sense. What? Look at us. We've got Chris Brown. Why not? Sonia Kruger is a lovely person that is teetering on the mm. edge of being so incredibly overexposed at Seven because they use her for everything. She's great <laughs> talent.
2: She's the Eddie Maguire of she's the current She's great time.
4: talent. The, ch- the problem is that if you see too much of someone, you tire of them no matter how good they are. And we are seeing way too much of Sonya Kruger.
1: But she's not on every night. She's not like the host of the news or the project. She comes in for a series here, a series there. <laughs> <I> don't <laughs> don't really three to series back-to-back back is a bit hard to take last year. I've, I've got to say... I've been trying to dig around on this one today and, mm. God, my sources were being cagey and all I could get was, yeah, they'll certainly be part of the Logies. <laughs> oh, my God.
2: Look- oh. I, I think it's great that Seven's using Chris Brown, Dr. Chris Brown, rather. Yes, thank um, you. I think he's got a show on Seven Bravo called Insomnia. Um, <laughs> if you can't fall asleep, you can turn <laughs> on to right. all of his work, or his jokes. You know you don't uh, you like him. You can also him. watch him do all of his comedy, no, mm. inverted commas. Um, if he hosts the Logies, the Logies are dead. Uh, no. In he's 2023. A great
1: foil with Julia. He'd be a great foil with Sonia.
2: I... No, no, Julia was great. Anyway. Brown was not. Brown was Brown. Brown should change his name to Beige.
3: Oh. <laughs> God, you you've man. also you've talked a lot about the Logies and how it needs the showmanship and the yeah. excitement. Correct. I don't think Chris Brown is that person.
2: He doesn't have showbiz. No,
3: he doesn't. The other thing, I was thinking today about who I thought should do it. Mm. And oh. I was horrified to find out because I thought, I thought they should have an Aboriginal person host the Logies. And who? Do you know, do you know, oh, good question, who? Do you know mm. how many Aboriginal presenters are on the network? Channel on
4: Channel 7? Is it mm. zero?
3: It's zero, correct. They're the only network in Australia with Sorry, zero Aboriginal presenters. Of mm. Great
1: Outdoors with Ernie Dingo on 7 Plus.
2: That was made 20 years yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah I'm so they were doing it before it was once.
3: Currently working. That is embarrassing. And so if Sonia and Chris, Chris are the best we've got, then I think that's a real shame. But
4: yep. mm. there's, there's some... Uh, Bigger issues around the Logies, though, with Seven landing them in Sydney, though, isn't there, Rob? Including uh, that story went on to talk about the fact that uh, the Palaszczuk government's incentive to have networks, you know, fly their talent up to the Gold Coast for the Logies, somewhat you can understand, and that's all part of the, the funding package, that Seven have said that that doesn't exist anymore.
1: Yeah, well, while that was a good thing, the the, the thing about it is that none of the stars essentially... Were at the Gold Coast. that were going to the Logies, right? The Everyone had to stars. fly in, ostensibly. Everyone yes. had to fly up. When they were in Melbourne, yeah, you had to fly some people down from Sydney and maybe a couple of news presenters from the other markets, but that was it. With it being in Sydney, you're going to have a lot of stars already in Sydney, and yes, you have to fly a few up. This doesn't change anything except the networks would obviously love a rebate, but it's just back to situation normal. They never used to get a rebate to. They never used to get a fee for bringing people to the Logies.
2: To Melbourne, Sure, yeah, but
4: right. the business was also never as tight as it, the proverbial duck's butt that it is now, right? Financially, it is quite an expense. And, and I think it was this the this, this same article in The Australian where they went on to talk about the number of shows that are made in Melbourne that would mean the amount of stars that would have to be flown up. Now, this is the Sydney-Melbourne entertainment capital rivalry writ large right like it's all of that all of the time for seven to hold it in sydney makes sense that's where their head office is and they want to show off all of those sorts of things and we know the new south wales government will have helped incentivize it just not to the same extent that the palaszczuk government did um to get it to the gold coast
1: yeah and look the fact is networks might make a decision that if you live outside sydney and you're not nominated you have to pay your way if you want to come, or you don't come, and they'll only put them in a ballroom, and we can do a live cross to them, Rob. Oh, that never goes Jesus badly, Jesus does it?
2: <laughs> right, good jewel, Matt. You know that people have to pay for their own stars on the Walk of Fame. Yes, yes. I did know that. Same thing. It's Any, yeah. We yeah. could get
4: one, Robbo.
1: So all the celebrities <laughs> that you see, they apply, and then they have to pay for it. It's coming well, out of their own does. pocket. <laughs> Hilar- I love yeah. that. Yes. All right. Ten News Perth is going local again, at least for the time being. From tonight, anchor Natalie Forrest will present the West Australian edition of 10 News First from the network's Perth studio. The changes come after Nerolda Jacobs exited the presenter role late last year. Kevin Perry at TV Blackbox understands the move to reactivate the Perth studio is a temporary move at this stage with Charlotte Goodlett expected to take over the Perth presenter role when she returns from maternity leave, and she does that from Sydney. Natalie Forrest will be joined in the Perth studio by sports presenter Lockie Reed, while weather reports will continue to be produced
4: on location with Bo Pearson.
1: It feels like mm. a tester to me, Mulk.
4: I'm confused, Rob, because they did make quite the hullabaloo about how they were, you know, saving cash. They'd been through a massive uh, a budget cut process and that that was the complete motivation behind them shrinking the, the Perth and Adelaide bulletins. Um, it was to Sydney and Melbourne, respectively, I think, to start with, and Brisbane as well. They they shrunk out of those markets. And they just kind of slowly crept back. Now I agree, it is probably a tester, there's no question, because why else would you do it if the budgetary pressures are thick and not fly the woman that is filling in for Charlotte over to Sydney to do it from there, as I think they were doing from Adelaide in the first instance, anyway? Like yeah. I'm really caught in a flex about I don't get I don't get this move, and if they're doing it as a tester, what's to test? Like, it's literally a financial decision in the first instance. Why would it not continue to be so?
1: Here's the thing. The network was in trouble financially. The last reporting that I have seen is 2019 financial year, where Mm. they were under by $3.4 million, I want to say. Basically zero, right? Yeah. estimates are that they're now back in the black in a good way by about $100 million or so and so yep. that then allows you to have some money to reinvest to the things you pulled out, you know, especially if you didn't want to make those decisions so this might be the mm. network going we're putting the money back in, we're going to try it, we're going to see if the ratings lift they obviously have felt a big downturn in the ratings in Perth, so this mm. might might be helping them, but all accounts seem to be that Brisbane will not return to a local news service
4: Mm, that strikes me as strange.
2: I think Perth loves local for local. I think Brisbane, I we will never see that come back at this stage anyway. But I think Perth needs a local service and that's what they've been missing. Yeah.
4: Just sorry, Robert, you don't think that Brisbane is as parochial as Perth? Is that is that what you're getting no. at? Or really?
2: No. Not oh, at all. This- Especially for ten years. No, no, for ten years, no, I don't I don't believe so. I think they will take the broadcast. They will do that, but Perth is about Perth. Is that the if outcome Perth- though
4: of of yep. ten having Treating Brisbane like its poorest cousin, anyway? Like, is it, has it been such a long process uh, that now, like, the audience is like, we don't care?
2: I, I agree with you, actually, Mock. Yeah, look, obviously, Brisbane's the third largest market. I think that you've got Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, and you've got that kind of country. Mm. You've then got a foreign country over in Perth, and that's very, <laughs> very different, though. It is another nation. So I think across that you can, West. exactly. So I think you can have a broadcast. Um, that, yeah, not great. Mm. Um, We probably wouldn't put up with it for seven and nine. We probably would not like that at all. If seven and nine tried that on, they would lose viewers like that. They would disappear in a flash. Um, Perth, I think you you must have a local market. Perth knows if you're not in Perth because they don't like you if you're not in Perth because you're over east. Now, Mm. over east is fine. No worries about it. But you're not Perth. Yeah. So don't say you're Perth News, don't call yourself 10 News Perth, you just call yourself 10 News National, whatever you want. That's the biggest deal for Perth people. And
1: I agree, but I will say that I think Brisbane loves Brisbane as well but obviously they're not seeing the same declines, I, I, I assume. All right, the results are in for the 2022 Media Content Consumption Survey and a new television consumer survey where over 5,000 Australians answered questions about their viewing habits. Some of the key results included the most common platforms used to watch content were online subscription services at 66%, free video streaming services at 58% and free to wear at 53%. Average weekly viewing time, however, for free-to-air TV was above that of the streaming services at 9.08 hours compared with 8.16 hours. Pay TV had the highest at 9.51. The features that were most commonly rated as an essential feature for watching free-to-air TV were that there was no ongoing subscription costs, it's easy to access, and there is national or international news content. 44% of respondents said they know which service, including free-to-air and online subscription, they want to watch prior to turning their device on. And the primary feature considered when buying a new TV was 29% said that it was internet enabled. Robbo, do these results resonate with your viewing habits?
2: I actually wanted to open this up to everyone because, uh, look, no, I've talked before about the five-hour Butte TV tape when I was 15 where I would <laughs> record everything on the VHS and then watch it back when I wanted to. So I, I, I don't think that I, I'm the best person to ask this, though. Do you think, though, that we would have these kind of results if we didn't have a show like Maths? Like that is – I, I believe that you can really go back into the fact of well, we're watching that because – and then it gets such big numbers. So that's obviously going to um, have a – have an effect over a large uh, proportion of the respondents for these for this survey so I was wondering that so if if we were going back to where we had you know Australia at four hundred thousand you know whatever, a uh, uh, survivor at six hundred thousand and no maps would we have the same kind of engagement that's and obviously, I'm deflecting the question because I don't know. I
1: don't think this is just about maths. And I would argue a report like that to come out now was probably taken before maths. So I would suggest that it was taken last year, but I'd have is to. Is there a time when it. there hasn't been maths?
2: No, that's what I mean. It, it, I thought it was taken over five years. That was my understanding it's or something. Been it was, it was taken for over five some time. It's a
1: building. But it's yeah, a building. The that's 5, what I mean. So, respondents will get. They, I don't know that they're being um, asked every week. For five years. No,
2: of course, of course. Of I,
1: I imagine, I assumed it was just once a year to see how yeah. their viewing habits are going. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that free to wear still is a big puller. And this is the thing for all the negative commentary surrounding free to wear TV, it's still the biggest game in town. No one, no event gets a bigger audience than when everyone watches something on free-to-air TV, whether it's a sporting event, whether it's married at yeah. first sight. Nothing else is pulling in those numbers that can get everyone to see the same piece of content
4: at the exact same time. Yeah, but this re- this survey report isn't directly about that. No, I know. Um, I, I, I think that in part that's correct, though. What we are seeing is that TV's ability broadcast, over-the-air broadcast TV's ability to pull an audience like what you're talking about, Rob, is still in steep decline. Um, and and at some point, it's going to have to work itself out. We've, we've had that conversation for 17,000 times over. There is a lot in this report. Like, there is a lot. Uh, and a lot of it starts to get into, of course, connected television, smart TVs, and all of those sorts of things. There's a really interesting piece in it where it talks about the smart accessories that are used by... The respondents, the people in the survey, and the Google Chromecast by far topped the list. Like twenty, nearly twenty-five percent of of people have one of those and used it to make either their dumb TV smart or to add functionality to their smart TV. That what do you reckon was the second placed smart accessory connected to your your television? Just off the top of your head, what was Apple it? Apple TV. It was a Foxtel set top box. Huh. Um Apple was third. The Telstra TV was fourth with 7% of the market, and then Fetch was fifth with 6%. Now, given Telstra have just bought majority share of Fetch and they're replacing the Telstra TVs with Fetch's, watch that jump up and give Foxtel a run for its money in the next five years. That's going to be a big piece of the pie. Um, But overwhelmingly... Most people didn't have an accessory. They either bought a smart TV or they're accessing it. So what that gives them is direct functionality in a single remote to do their streaming, to access their on-demand, to do all of the things yeah. that they want to do in that context, That's uh, how which I makes the well, and it also makes the the burden of of um like overcoming the technology heaps easier. Because if you mm. can give, if I think of my elderly father. If I can give him one remote instead of two. I'm winning straight away. It just gets heaps easier in that kind of regard. Um, The other stuff that they looked at it, and it is voluminous, as I said, there's lots to to dive into. The really interesting stuff was that just the online access to -to free-to-air catch-up as much as subscription service is going through the roof, as we expected. But this is hard data reinforcing that more and more and more and more of us, when we switch on the TV, uh, we, we're we switching on for a reason. We're not just switching on to channel flick like we used to. We're switching on because we know what we want to watch or we've got a pretty good idea of what we want to watch, which puts even more pressure on the programmers for all of the free-to-air networks because straight away, they want you to be, t- and dare I say it, the PR Jedis, <laughs> they want you to be tuning in. Sorry to bring that up. Um, they want you to tune in to their big thing. So they want you to know about it and they want you to pick up the remote and turn it on. So... T- Turning off the channel, turning off your TV on the channel it was on is now no longer a guarantee that when you turn it back on again, you're going to leave it on that channel that it was on. Like it used to be, right? That used to be the thing.
1: I I think that theory is pretty much dead. But, Mog, I've got to tell you, I'm now more at the stage of comfort viewing where there is so Mm -hmm. much new content out there, unless it's a huge thing like The Last of Us, I will go and watch things that I know that I'll just get gratification from, whether Mm, it's Taskmaster UK, 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, heaven forbid the Big Bang Theory, you
4: know, it just...
2: (laughs) wow. (laughs) Oh. I mean, Rob, oh.
4: we love you, but you're making bad choices. <laughs> <laughs> intervention, we need an intervention.
1: <laughs> On that note, coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, there's still so much more ahead because the BBC is in chaos after a tweet by its highest paid star. Seven makes a controversial decision re its Oscars coverage, and we'll find out what everyone's been watching when we head into the TV binge box. <laughs> Well, the BBC has been in meltdown this past weekend after presenters and pundits staged a mutiny in solidarity with Gary Lineker. He was forced off air over a tweet about the UK government's asylum crackdown. Lineker, who has hosted Match of the Day for almost a quarter of a century, has been embroiled in a row over impartiality after comparing the language used to launch a new asylum policy with 1930s Germany. The comparison saw Lineker suspended from the helm of the popular BBC show and that led to several other pundits walking out to support the BBC's highest paid staff. Match of the day, a British institution only ran 20 minutes instead of an hour due to a lack of expert commentary and interviews. This was the tweet. We take far fewer refugees than other major European countries. This is just an immeasurably cruel policy directed at the most vulnerable people in language that is not dissimilar to that used by Germany in the 30s. And I'm out of order? A statement from the BBC says that Linica will not be returning to his longtime presenting role, and I quote, until we've got an agreed and clear position on his use of social media. This is an interesting one because... You could take some similarities to the ABC here. 100%. This is a guy who is not part of the news division. Now, what are we expecting from our public broadcasters? That everyone is impartial or just our news people? This is the question here, whether he should be lumped in with journalists when he is a presenter, albeit the highest paid presenter at the BBC. What is the line, Abby?
3: It's hard because I Mm -hmm. I understand people's need or want for impartiality, but impartiality can actually be really, really damaging and it can lead to, it can allow propaganda to thrive. His comparison to Germany, I do not think was out of line. I have made that exact comparison when talking about the ABC here before in that it's all fine and good to say you should be as impartial as possible, blah, 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 but when people's lives are at stake and you're seeing something that you clearly define as right or wrong or unethical, I don't know how you can be impartial to that when that impartiality is actually passively encouraging the problem and you are therefore complicit with the problem and you're complicit with people's lives Well, well being that's destroyed.
1: a viewpoint, okay? So it, it, it's a viewpoint. I don't have a problem with these tweets. In a free and democratic society, I believe that he should be able to hold his viewpoint. He's not a journalist. I think it is different if it comes from a journalist or someone in a dare—I dare say—communications role oh <laughs> at a certain oh organisation that's run it. by that's paid for by the government. Um, so, I, I genuinely and I'm intrigued to see the support this guy got and that affected their whole programming lineup.
3: Yeah, I
2: love it. Well, it did. And because um, someone from BBC News sat down with the BBC Director General and said that this probably wasn't the right thing to do when people don't trust you. Uh, and that was actually quite a good thing where where journalists from the same organisation can question someone who is at the top echelons mm-hmm. of that corporation. This is the thing. I've been on air with both commercial and with uh, the ABC, both of which, No. You don't get to decide what you want to put on social media. That's true. No, you don't. That's that actually is, true. That is a simple friggin' fact. If you want to have a platform, which you do, and you have that platform to do where you talk about sport or you talk about news or you talk about whatever you'd like, that's all tickety-boo. That does not give you free reign then to use that platform that is provided to you by a network or a broadcaster to spout your own personal views. That's just what it is. So anyone who wants to challenge that has has, has not worked there.
3: But then, the moment but that you're the on line air with that though no,
2: no, what the, the line is this: the moment you're on air, you don't get to spout those If you want to have your opinion, you got, you have a dinner party or <laughs> you um, you talk to some friends. You don't get to you don't get to do it. That's the whole point. You, you, if you've got a microphone in your hand or a microphone in front of you, whether it be a radio studio or a television studio, that's what you have. The employer can dictate to you what you can do. There are social media policies. Channel 10, wait, that's right. So Channel 10, for example, and the ABC have very, very, very clear social media policies. Now, if you don't like them, that's fine. You can then get off that platform. But that is the, that is the reality of being on those platforms. If you want the mic in your hand or the mic in front of you, there are rules that you need to abide by. It's simple as that.
4: I I agree, Rob, and that's part of the cost of business, isn't it? That when you Correct. sign on to roles like this, where you're getting paid ten pounds or ten million pounds, um, and and look, Lineker comes in as Rob said in the intro, twenty five years in this role. Yeah, he and yeah. before that, a much loved Premier League football player. Right, a toast of a toast of the the league. It's an interesting play because there is no question. He would have been under some kind of social media policy, and he is dealing with the outcome of that. And to his great credit, has not commented about it. Subsequently, has is sort of letting it all play out. The challenge is when
1: made it known that he wasn't walking away from Match of the Day. That they took yes, him off. The BBC were been initially suspended. trying to make it sound like he stepped back, and he yeah, made it yeah, clear that yeah. that was not the case.
4: I, and I think yeah. clarifying that is not outrageous and no, not unreasonable. I that that I, I've been suspended based on this. End of, that's all I can sort of talk about. I tell you what, government, um, comms people, you can't trust them. Oh, my <laughs>
1: no. God. Shut up. The, that out.
4: the <laughs> interesting part of this is when you're someone like Gary Lineker who has a huge platform and a huge following, um, not just in a social media sense, I mean in the fact that there are lots of people who are fans of Gary Lineker, mm. to speak out about, to Craig Foster it, to speak out about something that you are yeah. deeply passionate about, And something Mm -hmm. that you see as a great injustice, knowing full well that you will probably be suspended, if not possibly lose your job for doing so. You weigh that up very carefully. I don't suspect, Mm. uh, sorry, I suspect that this was a tweet that he wrote and like it wasn't on the toilet. I think this is rubbish bang. I think he has absolutely thought this out and, and sent it out and it is in no small irony that it is about the sunak government in the in the in britain taking on effectively a stop the boats policy that we had here under morrison and before him for years uh, it speaks yep. it speaks to his passion on the topic it speaks to his understanding and the fact that he himself played in many teams where there were were blokes that came from some pretty difficult positions so he would have first-hand experience in dealing with people who have been in those positions. It's quite right that he should do it and it's quite right that the BBC should make the decision to pull him off there because of the policies around it. Mm. However, well, it means the story doesn't go Well, that there was go essentially away.
1: pressure from the government and that's why this oh, is a whole issue. I'm sure there
4: was and they will never admit it.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm. and And there's other pressures because there's... Accusations of conflict of interest between other members Mm. of people who are running the BBC—it's—it's very very messy. But let's talk Oscars. Did anyone manage to catch the coverage today on Channel (laughs) Seven? I did. Well, up here in Brisbane and Queensland, we got coverage that was an hour behind. Hello from from the future, Rob.
3: Daylight savings, yeah. No,
1: but also, I cannot believe they did this. (laughs)
3: This is pretty outrageous. This is one of the biggest... You could have watched it live on 7 Plus.
1: But that's... What does 7 want me to do? Do they want me to watch it live on their linear service? Or do they they want me to watch it on 7 Plus? Because the fact is, the linear service is still the major thing, right? What Robbo said is that they don't care,
2: and that's fair. They they don't give a shit. I don't think anyone
3: cares.
2: I sat there today going, I wonder who won it. Brendan Fraser? or Austin Butler. I'll check Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I certainly 100%, 100%. didn't go to 7 plus. And that is why we no longer see the Oscars telecast mm. at prime time oh, on channel in 9. That's true. No, but on but we don't see it on you know we that's why we don't see it because mm. I didn't think oh shit I better find a bloody television <laughs> with an aerial. I better find that quickly like and turn that in. on and and just find out and oh shit I've missed it. I'm going to have to wait for the newspapers the next day. <laughs> I'm going to have to wait for the bloody Daily Telegraph to tell me what happened. The Australian no, will do I'll it. I'll go on to Twitter. But you know what the I mean, The Australian, no, thank you.
1: Especially no, for an event. I,
2: I'm being funny. I'm, I'm I, being I funny. But my point is, yes. But for yes. an event
1: that is being tweeted everywhere, that is, the results are on all the news websites, for this all to be revealed an hour ahead of should what they are should they have cared ahead, more, yes. I
2: think it was yeah, just yeah. Yep.
3: bizarre. It was an odd decision. <laughs>
2: I agree with you because 7 Plus has got the – the well, they've got the power, don't they, to start it live every market, I, I guess. But I'm going to tell I, you, I, I didn't I know making, they were
1: doing it on delay. So we just had it on in the office and then I, st- I, then I was on news.com.au and I went, hang on.
2: I, I agree with you, Rob. I think that especially for the Oscars and especially for an Oscars where – so many people had a had an interest in it. We've, we've got Jamie Lee Curtis. All of us grew up with her, Brendan Fraser, all of us grew up with him. Um, Elvis, especially in Australia, an Australian film well, essentially. You all know what I care about Elvis. Or, but but <laughs> all of that kind of thing is what I'm saying though is Seven plus should have gone. absolutely. this is live in all markets because no in seven the previous should have been years it
1: live in all markets.
2: Yes, okay, but in the previous years we've had too many art house films that no one cared about. This is the Oscars that people cared about. We should have we should have seen it in all markets. No, I know, but seven went big. They had
1: people over there. I just can't believe they did it on delay. But look, it's time to open the TV binge box and find out what everyone's been watching. Abby, what have you been watching?
3: Um, so I've been watching the second season of Next in Fashion on Netflix. Um, it was cancelled after its first season, but then it came back a couple of years later uh, with a slight host change. So it's hosted by Tan France and Gigi Hadid. Tan France is from Queer Eye mm. and obviously Gigi Hadid, very famous model. Um, used to be Alexa Chung in season one. And I will say I do miss Alexa. They had a really, really good dynamic. Gigi's good, but I do miss Alexa. My one complaint with it, though, is that the elimination results are revealed in the next episode. So every episode ends on like a yeah. and the person going home is, and then the credits roll. And Ooh. yeah, Lame-o. for a show that's, it's put all 10 episodes. I think it's 10 episodes. All episodes were put out at once. So I don't understand that point for that. We're not hanging around for next week. All I'm doing is then just watching the first 30 seconds of the next episode and then closing it. Like I don't, understand why they've done that it's just annoying more than anything um but other than that it's pretty good and then the other one i've been re-watching is wentworth on binge which i you've
2: just watched that doll
3: yeah i know i know i watched it it was 2021 it's two years ago now she's comfortable watching it now I am comfortable watching it, although it's not a very comfortable show, but I love <laughs> It's not. Like Robbo will tell you, we were living together and I would just shut yeah. myself in my room for hours and watch what? this show. I freaking love it. Um, yeah, so I've just been re-watching that and just love it even more maybe this time around.
1: Fabulous. Robbo, what have you been watching?
2: So I've been watching uh, Modern Family. I'm continuing with that. You know why? Because I watch a lot of TikTok, which is bad. Um, I can't wait for the TikTok channel. on uh you know, I can't wait for that. You um, know the Chinese thing, I on you. And I love sweet and sour pork. You just try and stop me. They can look at whatever they want to. I love it. Those prawn crackers, you guys are chef's kids. Break um, that uh, yeah breaks what uh, um and I've also been watching um a couple of the the national liberal Party uh, videos um, that they title them the Handmaids Tale. It's fantastic stuff um and and they love it, and they want that to be uh, government policy. but uh, look, it's a fantastic show with Elizabeth Moss there. that's fantastic, um and here's hoping we don't ever vote them back in. do you know.
1: It's getting harder each remote. week to be the only centrist on this panel when everyone is so
2: <laughs> far centrist? to the Centrist? Oh That's bold. Centrist. Sorry. centrist? Sorry. I'm very much a centrist. Jesus.
1: Absolutely. Uh, okay.
2: GPS. He needs to get GPS. <laughs> he's gone off again.
1: He's lost.
2: Yeah, he's lost. He's meant to turn right. No,
1: I'm a centrist. <laughs> All right. I've been watching Picard on Amazon Prime Video and... I struggled through season two because season three was coming out. People were saying things. Yeah, I gave up things. on things." Yeah. And I made it to season three and it started off good. I was like, yay, this is getting back to good storytelling. But it lost me this week. Now, this oh, isn't really no. spoilers. There's a power outage uh, on the ship they're on. And, mm. you know, life support systems are low. But Bald. Picard wants to have a heart-to-heart with someone. So he goes into the bloody holodeck. So Freedom literally everyone's on life support, but let's holodeck. go into He's the holodeck.
2: holodeck. I mean. This is, this is what I mean. This is why Kirk was a better <laughs> captain. Kirk would never have gone into the holodeck. <laughs> I don't know what that is. What is a holodeck? I don't know, but he would never. Picard, <laughs> bloody idiot. Bloody Picard. Well, it's true. Kirk bloody didn't have a Picard. holodeck,
1: so that is true.
2: Um The (laughs) The
1: other thing I just really need, a tip of the hat, is the final episode of The Last of Us on Binge, the final episode for this season. I need to watch this. It's just so fabulous. I mean, this is storytelling that is amazing. And, Mog, I can't get past the fact that you said you watched a friend playing this video game. Mm. So you would literally go over (coughs) his house and watch (laughs) him
2: play.
4: Did that that's how it works. Lots of, Lots people,
1: of people watch
2: people play that. computer games these
4: days. That's a Lots whole industry. It's a whole thing.
2: My nephew's watch that on YouTube all the time. That's all they do that's is watch is other people play video games. As. <laughs> okay. And hello to our Twitch fans. It's
4: a thing. It's a thing. I'll it's I'll,
1: I'll sell my videos of me playing Lego Star Wars, shall I? Well, you can try.
2: There you
4: There'll be someone who's <laughs> yeah. <that's> into it. <laughs>
2: Just head to grandad.com forward slash Twitch.
4: No, 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 no. It's, cent- <laughs> it's centristgrandad.com forward slash Twitch.
1: Anyway, Last of Us is bloody brilliant. So great. Uh, from what Blood I up. hear is really following the game uh, mm-hmm. the way it's yes. meant to be. And I, 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 the way it ended this season was really well done, that it could actually end after one season but there's enough to keep you hooked, knowing that it will most likely come back. Malk, what have you been watching? It
4: is. Just, just as a tag for that, uh, Rob, it will come back. It's already been called for the second season and it's going to follow the narrative of the second game. The hold second on, game. I
2: thought it was a video game.
3: Yeah, it there's is already a, is a, is a second game. game. What are you Monk, talking about?
4: is that about? with the same cast? Uh I'll say yes, except that it is an amount of years later. So, um, Ellie, the young girl that is season one, has grown up somewhat.
1: Well, that'll be easy for the actress because she's like 28 playing a 14 year old.
4: Hmm. I'm sure that if Bella Ramsey maintains the role, she'll do fine. Um, I but hope yeah, so. it, is a, it is an amount of time. Well, it's an amount of time later, and she's playing a, a young teenager in this. Who knows? Yeah, I or, think I, they'll recast really it. I suspect oh. they will. I don't want to speak too deeply in it because none of that has been confirmed except Plastic that it Haudley is coming back sexism. and it will follow the second game for the second yep, series. Monk. Just... Well, Rob, I've uh, been watching about a thousand shows, but I'll, I'll only talk about two because otherwise Abby will punch me in the face. Um, Whoa. We all will. Me? Well, and
2: she'll hold you down. We'll punch you.
4: Figuratively speaking. <laughs> The, the first one i want to talk about was a disappointment i i uh inferred um I, I sort of in yeah inferred that i wasn't happy with it last week because on it was on the tv binge box history of the world part two um history of the world part one was a now 40 year old film by mel brooks and a whole bunch of his friends absolutely it was comedy of the time sketch comedy in a film form I, I, look, I loved it as a, as a young person. I thought it was very funny. The problem with History of the World Part 2 is, and that first film was 90 minutes. There are four 30 to 40-minute episodes in History of the World Part 2. It feels like everybody pitched a sketch and they just went, okay, <laughs> let's do that. No one edited it. It's just
2: yeah, Malky, way I've too seen clips. I've seen clips where I just think you've got great talent oh. here.
4: I watched the first four but no episodes. One edited. Yeah, yeah, I watched the yeah, first yeah. four yeah. episodes on preview and it, it there were moments of that that were great and if you cut off some of the other dross you would have gone we've probably got an 85 to good, 125 yeah. minute film. Oh. But whoever made the decision to make it eight f- episodes dropped two a day <laughs> for four days Ludicrous idea. It yep. totally turned Agreed. me off it. And I will never go back and watch those last four apps. I'm so disappointed.
2: Agreed with you. I, I agree with you. I watched some of these and I just thought there's elements, there's like specks of gold. Mm. Rubbish. Mm, yep. Which is sad. Kirby Chidais so was
4: a really it. funny sketch series that ran through it, but that was one in heaps of us, yeah. right? Well, it was, there just, you it go. was just disappointing. A big negatory from Senior Monkey. I was not happy with it, that's for sure. Um, the one that I did watch that finished up this week that I have been transfixed by is the Ryan Johnson Natasha Leone series Poker Face. Not don't confuse it with the Russell Crowe movie Russell of the same Crow. name, which is no, very, very on Crow. Crow. bad. On the same platform. On the same platform. It's very bad. <laughs> Pokerface, the movie is bad. The series by Ryan Johnson and Natasha Leon is excellent. Yes. And oh, it really finished in a wonderful spot where they could have, again, just left it there, but we already know it's got a season two call. And I think that is going to be fabulous. I cannot wait to see it. The final episode did mm. nothing that I expected. And I mm. loved that so hard. I thought it was a really great wrap-up. So that's available on Stan, Poker Face and History of the World Part 2. You can go looking for it because it's shit.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Mark, And that brings us to the end of this edition of TV Black Box. For more exclusives, insights, and opinions, go to tvblackbox.com.au. Abby, Robbo, and Malk, thanks very
3: much. We'll
1: see you next week.
3: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.